0: Welcome to School of Everything Else. The Star Wars Prequel Trilogy. Way back in early 2013, when I was young and you were even younger, and this show was called Digital Gonzo, for the fifth installment of our Sound of Gonzo format of shows, I brought in James Batchelor of Game Burst at the time to talk all about the music of the original Star Wars trilogy. This was shortly after the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, when we had no clue what the new movies would be like, but we were simply happy that the Star Wars prequels wouldn't be the last that we would see of this galaxy far, far away. I mean, of course it wouldn't. We said back in 2010, when we covered episodes 1 through 6, several shows of which James was a guest on, that this franchise was bigger than any one person currently alive, and we would see films emerging for as long as we walked this Earth. At the time of recording, we are still several weeks off of episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, and I want to make peace with the prequels. And this is a big step for me. I started doing dedicated, in-depth movie podcasts, so I could go into excruciating detail about how the prequel trilogy got almost everything wrong, and secondly, how the original trilogy got almost everything right. Then we did Back to the Future, and hundreds of shows later... Here we are. But I'm older, a little wiser, no longer angry at George Lucas, grateful, in fact, to him for passing on the series to the right people, and I want to be able to accept that episodes one to three are what they are. Obviously, a bunch of very decent people actively like or even love these films, and that's not something I wish to take away their enjoyment of. But the one element I keep coming back to that was frequently excellent was the music of John Williams. I think it wasn't given its best place with what was being said and done on screen. I think he was asleep for most of Attack of the Clones, which is why this episode hops, skips and jumps over that middle film. And I think James and I have assembled a surprisingly rich list of orchestral themes, leitmotifs and melodies in their purest form for you to drink in in isolation. Nowhere near the Jar-Jars, Sebulbas, shifty Fu Manchu aliens, comically unintimidating robot armies, moppets shouting yippee, pod races that get longer every time you watch them weird, child-abducting cults, creepy yodas leaping about like Bruce Lee's (coughs) mini-me, millennial rubber somersaulting gurning old men, irritating sand that gets everywhere, fake-ass early CG stormtroopers, dim-witted glee-clop Jedi masters, coughing cyborgs, intrigue that never gets intriguing, drop threads that go absolutely nowhere, crowbarred in romance plots that come off as naturalistically as banging two dead-eyed dolls together, a complete lack of understanding of how women work on any level, emotionally manipulative, explosive, aggressive, child-murdering, ultra-right-wing psychopaths, and Darth Vader yelling, no! No! And various, really genuinely talented actors delivering lines with pained expressions like they're in the world's most expensive but least gripping soap opera. Believe it or not, I want to think of these films with a kind of a goofball fondness, not an anger. I've seen what embittered, self-entitled anger can do to Star Wars fans and it's representative of the ugliest, most destructive force in pop culture. Again... If you love the prequels, despite all of the above, more power to you. You're going to enjoy listening to this music just as much as we are. If you are indifferent or you don't like them, you'll find some of John Williams' surprisingly strongest work nestled in here. And if you're familiar with the soundtracks already, you will hopefully enjoy the deep pulls that James and I get up to as we scour more than six hours' worth of composed material to uncover the absolute gems. So hello to James Batchelor of GamesIndustry.biz and the Bond and Beyond podcast, the man who compiles the non-violent Game of the Day list. Welcome back. And we're stopping already. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, that
1: is the first Jar Jar impression I've ever done. That is the last Jar Jar impression I will ever do. It sounded more just, like
0: um, uh, Gurgi from the Black Cauldron.
1: It, it did, didn't it? It was very Gergi. I apologize. Yeah, right. like, well, so... He was a,
0: a copy of Gollum anyway, and Jar Jar was kind of a Gollum substitute. It
1: was. I just just had to get that out. Um, thank you so much for having me on for this one. Like, I mean, I, I'm always happy to talk John Williams, but I'm kind of with you. You, I, I kind of am trying to make peace with the prequels. Like, I have, I have great memories of them when I first watched them, and then very bad because I was young because I was just excited to be into Star Wars, and then. Bad memories on on subsequent viewings when you realise how bad they are. Mm. Culminating, I think the last
0: time I watched any of them was I went to see the Phantom Menace in three D. Three D. They were threatening, sorry, promising to deliver all the prequels in three uh, D at the time. What? This, they, they were they were promising to do all of them, and I went to watch this one, and I came away from it thinking,
1: you know what? That sucked, but. The 3D, seeing the originals in 3D will be amazing, because the space battles, space battles in 3D look incredible. Okay. Jake Lloyd's globe-like head on his (laughs) tiny little bobble figure body. Now this is pod racing. Oh, don't. But the soundtracks were always the one thing that I was like, I quite, I I have enjoyed, and they're the one thing that get me through these films. And then we're now at this point where, like, like I said, we're building up to... Rise of Skywalker. We're putting up to the end of the saga, allegedly. If, you know, well, this when this
0: goes out, it'll have come and gone. It will this have come is the and gone. Past to the people listening, well, I they'll, hope they'll be is. they'll not they'll be fully in the knowledge of what the hate boys hate right now about Episode Nine. We will be right in the thick of all the bitching.
1: Can't wait. I really hope I enjoyed it. So.
0: Can wait. <laughs> Can definitely wait. <laughs> waiting but with like trepidation, the, kind of. Yeah,
1: but where we record at the moment, so I. I I'm obviously in the video games industry mm-hmm. The Star Wars games There's um, Star Wars Jedi Ford and Order Which is coming out before Christmas mm-hmm. Conveniently to time with the film That's a brand new story um, set between episode 3 and 4 And therefore has a lot of prequel material in it Star Wars Battlefront 2 Has massively come on leaps and bounds in, um, in the last two years since it's launched Really expanded lots of, kind of new content New modes But again a lot of that is centred around the The prequels
0: and New seasons are- of Clone Wars coming, for all of
1: those New seasons of Clone Wars. Clone Wars coming. And I can't help but wonder, like, is there this weird nostalgia for the prequels that none of us will admit to? Or are we just want more? We oh, just no, no. want more I, I think that there
0: is a nostalgia for the prequels that the younger, uh, who are like, oh, I like the prequels, of course they feel nostalgic for it. It was part of their childhoods. I, yeah. would, under- I would completely understand that. Especially like if you grew up with uh, with the Clone Wars on on TV. I mean, I don't know uh, how many of those folks are listening, but uh, like if that was one of your first shows, that that was a show you could really get into and just went on and on. And
1: then if you got into Rebels and all that, I've I've, I've dabbled in those in both Clone Wars and Rebels. I've watched episodes here and there, and they're not quite my thing. they're a little bit too Saturday morning cartoon for my liking. It's not quite what I want from my Star Wars, but that's a personal preference. I can absolutely see why people absolutely love them. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm not looking back on the prequels fondly. More just less disappointed
0: than I was. And like, my, well, they my kept son, it going, even if they did warp and twist it.
1: Yeah. And my 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 son is starting. He started. It's just it's it's impossible to keep a child from knowing what Star Wars is until they're old enough to watch it. At this mm. point, how old so is he? Now? Knows, he is three. He's just turned three. Okay. Um, so he, he knows what stormtroopers are. He knows what a lightsaber is. He gets excited. He, he, he says Star Wars. He's got like little, we've got like little children's books of it and stuff. Like so, he's, so he, he's intrigued by the, the whole concept. And I do get to the point where it's like, I'm actually looking forward to watching the prequels with him and seeing
0: them through his eyes. Hmm. Because as a child, the prequels were great fun. Are you still going to do the uh, what uh, I suggested way back when we did it in 2010, way before uh, I think my child was tiny and yours was way off being born, uh, but I later became known as the Machete Order? because uh, someone else come up with a similar idea? But I don't know if their name was Machete. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm tempted. I, I, That's folks uh, do... at home. That is Star Wars, Empire, Phantom, Clones, Sith, Jedi. My favourite is the... Uh... Is it the
1: double machete, which is like Force Awakens, New Hope, Empire, Phantom, Clones, Sith, Jedi, what? Last Jedi. That's
0: just mental. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I don't know why people do that, but it, but it, I, it's definitely oh, nobody like... said Solo. Hey, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking purely just mate. I oh, mean, yeah, you would stick Rogue One in there somewhere, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. You know what? I, honestly, I prefer the prequels to Solo now.
1: I do absolutely, but I love the solo soundtrack, and oh, I may have yeah. to. Okay, I'll, I'll gush on that with you another time, perhaps, because okay. I, like,
0: I need to like, listen to it more. I, it would seem because I was thoroughly left just kind of like sitting, sat there. But um,
1: it's one of those. It's one of those soundtracks, much like these, where the soundtrack is a lot better than what's happening on the screen. So okay. if you can detach, you can detach what's happening on the screen. So what the music has been mapped to, to actually just listening to it. Mm.
0: it John just Powell. Feels, Jump out. It feels like a very Star Wars score to me, while trying a few different things. Okay, so James, are you ready to play some music so splendid and talk about it with such passion and joy that our listeners will actually think about watching the prequels again? Always. Good. Then we shall begin with the opening of The Phantom Menace. And this is my choice of track. Uh, we, we went for eight each this time. I only heard it recently in its entirety, like the beginning of The Phantom Menace, uh, as it was originally played in the film, having only ever heard the single disc edition of the Phantom Menace soundtrack released in 1999, which is missing about an hour's worth of music that plays in between the big moments. Luckily, there exists an official expanded edition and various bootlegs of Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith that give you the full experience. Cast your mind back, folks, especially if you're in your late 30s, early 40s to May 1999 when we first saw Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn emerge from their ship to prepare for negotiation. This was the first time we ever got to see Jedi legally doing their thing and the excitement was enough to briefly convince some of us that the film was strong enough to sit side by side with the other three. What you're going to hear, especially near the end of this few minutes, is Williams really setting the mood for us with quiet, brooding, yet light creeping chords that evoke this tenuous situation. It's not bombast. We're going to get plenty of that later, but it is a prelude to action. Okay, so, yeah, as we were saying about that particular track while it was playing, uh, it was just, you know, wonderful to finally be in the cinema for new Star Wars. And Lucas had primed us a couple of years beforehand with uh, the uh, special editions. So it it wasn't the first time I'd seen the big Star Wars crawl on screen, but it was the first time for a new one, which is a big deal.
1: It was a proper moment for me because I had only discovered Star Wars through the, the special editions. Um, actually, I think I you know, I think I think I said this on, the, on your way, way back on your original shows. I'm mm. now nostalgic watched... for them. <laughs> yes, I'm very nostalgic for those. Um, I watched uh, I, I watched the first Star Wars so that I would understand the Star Tours ride at Disney World. Um, <laughs> and then and then when I got back from Florida, that's when the, the special editions came out. So I watched Star Wars and I'd watched Empire. Um, I missed Jedi in the cinema. I think I'd seen it by the time Phantom Menace came out. I'm mm. pretty sure I had. But it means that I'd only been aware of Star Wars for two years. Whoa. Um, and so and I went I went to see Phantom Menace with my family. We went to see it in the Leicester Square Odeon, the big one. Mm. And so sitting in this big theater, you know, theater-like cinema, and then bang, that logo comes up, The the fanfare begins, the opening crawl comes up, and... I even get this now when, we're watching, when I was watching Force Awakens The Last Jedi, there really is a, an excitement and an anticipation to sitting there and watching a Star Wars opening with a crawl that you haven't read before, mm. you have no idea what's coming, and even with the bad taste that the prequels had left, like, I still go back to that excitement of, yes, this is a new Star Wars film, this could be amazing.
0: It it does uh, make, uh, I know everyone loves Rogue One, but that it always feels very anticlimactic at the beginning. I know that's a weird oxymoron to say, but it, <laughs> it feels like less of an event because it just goes, VOOM, Rogue One, right, here's a planet, one of many we will be showing you. And there's yeah. no crawl or anything. There's no pageantry. I miss the pageantry. It's, it's, I, it, it's it a different thing It doesn't feel tone. right. It doesn't feel right, particularly given that, and I know they're not all canon all that now, but like even simple simple
1: things like the video games, all of the video games, mm. like the you know the Jedi Knight games, Knights of the old Republic, they all have the opening
0: crawl as well. Even so just they, fan films from the uh, mid two thousands had yeah. uh, the opening crawl. It's like having a Bond film without the gun barrel. It's yeah. just not right. I mean, you could do it without the uh, opening crawl, and obviously, we will probably get a whole bunch of Star Wars films that don't follow this same pageantry. And again, it's kind of like I've, I was re-listening to the uh, old Zelda shows that uh, we recorded, and we were talking about the formula of Zelda and their you know, Nintendo being afraid to break it, and they finally did with Breath of the Wild to huge success. So it feels like after Episode Nine, they might break the mold. But we'll talk about more about that later. But uh, it, it just feels like this might be a more old-fashioned way of doing Star Wars in the future. Yeah. You know? So we're going to move on to Fighting the Destroyers. Why did you pick this one?
1: Um, I picked this one because, again, it kind of took me back to when we did the original Digital Gonzo reviews. Um, I remember saying on Jedi, the Pit of Sarlacc, that track... Um, where it suddenly bursts out into the you know the Star Wars fanfare,
0: the pit of cocoon, the pit
1: of cocoon. So sorry, you've suddenly got the the main fanfare on you know brass, very kind of frantic but exciting, happy, upbeat music, mm. and it's it, in that moment in Jedi is like yes, this is Star Wars, this is what we're enjoying, this is why we're here. Mm. For me, fighting the destroyers, there's a moment, and you will hear it where that happens, where you know, the fanfare comes in, the main theme comes in, the lightsabers are out there fighting these droids, and like you say, we'd never seen full blown Jedi before, and you've got Obi Wan, you know, Ewan McGregor's like flinging his lightsaber around, and to 13 year old me, it's like this is amazing, this is like full blown Star Wars that I have not seen before, and it's like, I am so so excited for this, and the music really built up to that. There's also a, a section, and this becomes a running theme today show I imagine is there's a very dramatic kind of um rendition of the force theme and I don't think I fully appreciated the force theme until the prequels because he is so liberally used in the prequels to mm. you know to represent the Jedi, the Force, you know, Obi-Wan
0: Anakin like everything. He Would this uses a bit where Qui-Gon shoves his lightsaber through the door to open it. That's the one. Mm. That's the one. And again, again, what's happening on screen isn't
1: necessarily as good as what's happening in your ears. Yeah. But it's just it, there was so many different ways. It's just one simple cue—the the, the Force thing. He had so many different ways of expressing it in this trilogy, and this was the first time we heard it. It's like, oh my god, these are Jedi. These are, the Force is here, and it it just set you at ease. Of like, yeah, this is Star Wars. I don't have to be scared of the new. How how naive we were. <laughs> I don't have to be scared of the new. This is Star Wars, just how I remember it, or just how I want it. Then it all went wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: So. More on that soon. There's these, um, let me yeah. just tip, tip in there, there's yeah. these wooden xylophones going at the end of that song there. I think it's those, there's there's quite a lot of throughout all the prequels. Like That seemed to be something that he relied on a lot. And one thing you can hear with John Williams is how he transitions in the prequels from 20th century John Williams to 21st century. I think going through Harry Potter changed him. And, you know, for the better, his style became a bit more modern as a result. But there's more sort of the classic early trilogy Williams in Phantom than there is in the next two. Yeah. The next track is a combination of various pieces from uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, There's Arrival on Tatooine and the Flag Parade from the original one-disc Soundtrack, which I mean, these two bits don't go together. They arrive on Tatooine, and then immediately they're just about to start the pod race, so there's nothing in in between time. But the so this feels very much like a Diagon Alley, like early Harry Potter thing.
1: It's very Harry Potter, yeah.
0: And uh, this, to so sh- that it makes me feel warm towards it, even though it probably didn't earn it. <laughs> this is the problem i think we discussed this on one of the potter shows like he was scoring these prequels
1: and yeah. the early potter films at the same time and he he borrowed quite a, a, a lot of his style kind of transition between the two and the trouble is they're such drastically different settings
2: yeah.
1: um that you know things that work in one don't necessarily work in the other like i listen to this you know you arrival on tatooine and yeah i'm instantly in i don't know yeah diagon alley or or hogsmeade or uh I actually it kinda of instantly reminds me of the bit where um uh, the aunt I can't remember her name now, the aunt blows Aunt Oh no, no aunt, aunt Marge. Marge. Aunt Marge, Aunt Marge starts blowing up like just before the start of that, like
0: because like, it's got that waltz feel to it, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, but it's it still it still works. It was it was still nice that he was kind of experimenting, like you say, like trying to get away from the the old style that he used to have while not getting too far away from it. Flag Parade is a superb, like oh, yeah. proper. He can do march. His martial music is so. I think it's his peak It's it's the thing That he most specialises He's best at Um, I actually saw um, Star Wars A Musical Journey At the O2 Years ago And they played This piece um, On a full orchestra And it's Absolutely incredible And again So much better Than what's happening I hear this music And it
0: feels like Something bigger is happening But I know in my heart that a very <laughs> it's just a cobbled- bunch of little robots and gleepglop aliens and it's like introducing the various pod races that we will never see again. Exactly. It's just it's a barely there
1: C3PO hobbling on
0: sand. Yeah. Like
1: it's not no just But it uh, doesn't matter
0: because what you're hearing is fantastic. And then Anakin is free I added from the extended soundtrack because you never really get to hear it. This is the bit after Qui-Gon says all about midi-chlorians and talks to Shmi and just this bit Of Anakin leaving his mother, doesn't matter how bad the acting or the dialogue is, it's an elemental moment, him leaving his homestead. So there's a kind of a soaring sense of melancholy there. I, I love this moment.
1: I love that theme. There's so many different ways he uses it, and that that's such a great rendition there. Yeah. And then the, the weird,
0: like, whispers of the Sith. Yeah. Parcel tongue, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on the fact that there are only two of the Sith at any one time. It's ridiculous. It's like, why would you even join the Sith? What's the point? What's the long-term gain here? Even if you do get on top, your apprentice will stab you in the back. It's not exactly like a, a stopgap until yeah. an, into another career path, is it? Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one. I think this one's mine. was this yours or mine? it's no, no, yours, was mine. Yeah, we I would have picked it, it as well, though. It's wonderful. Go for it. Tell us why it's good.
1: Next piece is Anakin's theme Um specifically kind of, it's kind of a concert version. Like whenever John Williams writes a new theme specifically for a character, he tends to write a whole suite of just the theme on its own and then uses that within the score. I don't believe this is actually played in within the film anywhere in its entirety. You'll hear, snippets a little the, bits of it yeah and yeah. It, it plays na, quite na, a bit
0: in the end credits at the very end yeah
1: end credits that's where they really play it and that is part of why i've put this in because it, the way it's using the end credits and then how it sounds like mm. on its own in, in, in the suite it's such a soft wonderful innocent theme. And then that last two minutes, which, which which transitioned perfectly into something really sinister and very familiar.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not going to say it just in case anyone listening doesn't know. I mean, anyone listening probably almost certainly knows. But I'm just going to leave that for someone, hoping that someone notices. Because there is that moment when you listen to Anakin's theme for the first time and you hear how it starts to end. It's like, oh, oh I see what he did there. And it's this perfect, perfect audio foreshadowing of this character's journey.
0: Mm-hmm. It's superb. Shivers. Okay, this is Anakin's theme, folks. Episode three has to pass away from uh, my most loathed films list because there have been other films like. It's been rescued by seven and eight. And the way the uh, credits end is with Vader's Breath. There. Vader's Breath, I
1: remember hearing that. Um... I can't remember if I stayed at the end of the cinema, or if I watched it. The, I watched it on DVD just to the end. But I mean, this is you know, this is well before like post credit scenes were a thing, um, or certainly not a thing to the extent that they are now. Mm. But yeah, just that here, that subtle. Yeah. I just, oh, proper chills. Even in, even then, listening to Anakin's theme. And obviously, we're chatting about the music as we um, as we record this and as we listen. Even I genuinely goosebumps as soon as it weaves into Vader's theme. Just superb writing by Williams there. Mm.
0: Uh, The next bit is the duel and the droid battle. Now, this is kind of the centerpiece of this whole episode because it is, like, 11 uninterrupted minutes of John Williams just weaving together many, many scenes at once. This must have been freaking exhausting for him. Yeah. He was was given... It was an escalation of Jedi where it's, like, on Endor, space battle, Luke and Vader in front of the Emperor. It was, like, right, Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. And Amidala running around the palace trying to get to um, Lot Dodd and Newt Gunray, and the droids fighting the gun guns, and Anakin and the rest of the, uh, um, the Imperial Navy fighting in space. So it's like four uh, four threads all going on at once. Yeah. And the reason it- that we've given you this whole thing is because everyone's heard Jewel of the Fates. Everyone agrees that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da is a great piece of music. But very rarely do you do you just sit down and listen to the full thing? Now, we haven't even got the full thing. The full thing lasts about sixteen minutes, but I trimmed it back because, for God's sake,
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's too much to ask you to go through, but like we trimmed I trimmed it back, but at the same time, gave, gave you a lot of space to breathe on this again it's it's the
1: difference of how. John Williams writes a theme, so Julia yeah, writes a theme and applies a theme. Mm-hmm. So the Jewel of Fates, like, is fantastic as a standalone piece. We love it, and when you, whenever it's the the Obi Wan Qui Gon Maul scenes, you're pretty much hearing like cuts of it verbatim from the concert suite version. But it's the way that it weaves into other sections of the battle. Like, um, there's a dramatic kind of almost tragic string version during the space battle you'll hear the 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 my favorite part of this whole scene the the tide turns mm. um what's it listen out for it's a
0: sudden it's nearer the last third
1: yeah it's near the last third and there's a real sudden like you'll hear a a flourish of jewel of fates in the background and then there's a sudden kind of beat and it changes tempo changes um th- tone from tragic tension to not tragic sorry tension to heroic and it bursts into the force theme with the jewel of the fates kind of undercurrent with it and I know for some people it will bring back horrific memories of, now this is pod racing. <laughs> and believe me, I cringe every time I hear it. But just kind of, okay. Okay, let's side. try
0: spinning. That's a good trick. Oh,
1: don't don't, 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 Right, when this moment happens, when the tide turns, and you you will know the moment when it changes, try and picture like Poe in an X-Wing, or, or or Luke in an X-Wing, or Han in the Falcon, or some, some actual Star Wars character that we actually like, and something, you know, not a friggin'. Glossed over Naboo Starfighter like a proper uh, gritty kind of Star Starfighter. Try and imagine that Ray in like you know the flying the Falcon, something like that. And it just again, it's it, this for me is really is the epitome of the music is so much better than what's happening on the screen. There's oh, one right. more. I mean, it's not within this um, 11 minute section. There's one more thing that that we just purely couldn't squeeze in that i do always like it's the you should um,
0: have told me i'd have seen if i could get it in
1: no 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 you you've already done an
0: amazing job of cramming in it's the um (laughs) oh is that not in there
1: (laughs) it's such a joyful tune that you cannot help but enjoy to an extent what is happening because it's it's Such an uplifting piece. It's such an oddly most of his battle pieces are so tense and uh, it's it's all about drama. And that was just such a a cool, upbeat, yeah, happy tune. And it's hard not to just smile. And it ends in
0: that triumphant. That's the one, yeah. Love it. Yeah, so this is a treat, folks. Uh, And uh, obviously, if you're getting tired, spin forwards a bit, and uh, we'll be be back with another bit of music. But uh, this is, like I say, John Williams doing his magic at being able to thread everything together, and it probably made people feel like this film was better than it was because this whole section was so exhilarating. We'll handle this. This is that bit, The Tide Turns. So the parade was a, a last-minute entry for us. We, it wasn't on our list originally, and I was like, should we include this? Because it's 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 like a, a way to end the film and to sort of like close out The Phantom Menace. And also there's that clever trick we mentioned way back in 2010 about what's actually playing in this piece of music.
1: Yeah, I mean, that alone was the reason to include this for, just as a reminder of that, because I remember, I remember, I don't think I actually knew that until you guys pointed it out in the first Digital Gonzo. And now you listen, it's like, oh yeah, of course it is.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, this is, uh, what you're hearing right now behind us is the Emperor's theme. Da, na, 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 na. And this is the jubilant upbeat version, because everything's happened exactly how Palpatine wanted it to. yeah.
1: the way that the, the star wars credits finishes that fools you into thinking you just had a good
0: time yeah yeah it's uh, it's worked its magic uh rather too well on many occasions and sometimes it's not enough because people are like nah i'm gonna go home and scream about this on the internet <laughs> i will only go back to see it six more times today okay, but like that all that those choral voices kind of make me think of the ewoks so it's, it's yeah. like it was uh, evoking the at the time most recent Star Wars film with the jubilation I, of the uh, celebration at the end. I certainly prefer the uh, the Emperor's parade to Yub Nub Ick Yub Yub. <laughs> I don't know. I still have a soft spot for. Ah uh, no! It's it's terrible, but uh, it's so bad. But that doesn't mean I don't like it. For the same reason that people like the prequels the Polynesian one that we'll probably have in some later show just again doesn't quite work for the for a 1983 film
1: no and there's something just about the way that, the musically the way that um, jedi ends why either the yubnov version or the Polynesian luau version it's such an odd note an underwhelming note to end what is quite possibly one of the greatest film trilogies ever commi- yeah. uh, ever done
0: so although i honestly can't think of any way that it's ended uh, on, you know what the way The Last Jedi ends could have been how uh, Return of the Jedi ends, that kind of, yeah. that, and the, the way that it's understated and yet, like, we did it, it's got well, that in there as well. So when when I saw Star Wars Musical Journey,
1: and I had a, the, this a Revenge of the Sith soundtrack came with a, a DVD, didn't it, the Star Wars Musical Journey. Yeah. Both instances, I believe, they ended with Medal Ceremony from New Hope, yeah. and that is the perfect music to end a Star Wars trilogy on.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. Might be an idea for episode nine. Mm. Or some very... I, really, you know, ho- I
1: really hope he does that. He has to.
0: Yeah, even in just the end credits, like at the yeah. very end, you know. You know yeah, exactly. Okay, so the next is... Right, now we move on to Attack of the Clones, and oh, boy. Uh, th- this is the one that we've established. He had just done Phantom Menace, just done Sorcerer's Stone, was tasked with doing Chamber of Secrets, was tasked with doing uh, Attack of the Clones, and, catch me if you can, for Steven Spielberg, John Williams was spread pretty thin which is why there is a pretty thin selection from attack of the clones because so little of it really sticks in the mind um i've combined two really neat but very short themes uh the younglings and meeting with fett uh the the younglings is a very kind of ai style like like lots of um child's choral notes to it and it's like when when you know what happens to the younglings it's it's bone chilling listening to this you, you know they also have that kind of nursery feel in jurassic park as well yes yeah i know what you mean you know what i mean that that, uh, that that sweet kind of plucking of the harp and you know you must be gentle around this yeah that's what this music says and anakin did not take that one on board um and meeting with fett um, this bit's actually tied in with the very opening of uh, the original one-disc edition, which, by the way, was copyright protected, so we couldn't even get the tracks off that CD for many years.
1: God yeah, I, damn I'm it, what so, a bad I, idea. I, that is the- only album I've got that does that and I don't know it's the only yeah. soundtrack I can't a, put on my phone
0: it was a dumb short-lived thing that happened just before iPods and it was uh, it was phased out luckily the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe soundtrack I remember had a similar issue but yeah this was at the very beginning so I always associated it with uh, Amidala's big silver ship coming into land it's not that at all it's coming into land on Camino, in, uh, in the rain with all those flying manta rays above the ocean In the dark. And And it uh, it, it, works. It's it's just the imagery that that Williams can evoke with his music, like the.
1: It's a roiling ocean. it's a broiling ocean it's dramatic waves it's storm lashed mm. uh, settlements like it just you even if you didn't know what film this was from you could probably picture what yeah. sort of scene that that music goes over
0: and there's a subtlety in the background as well because as he lands there's this duh, 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 which is evoking duh, 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 which is from duh, duh. Cloud, City. Cloud City with Boba Fett so yes. he is literally saying, "Watch out! In this place that looks very much like Cloud City, Boba Fett is lurking." And he is, and he's like, "Yeah, you wanna you wanna meet my dad?" Oh yes, son. Honestly, it would have been so much better played by Taika Waititi. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, the uh, these two little bits uh, uh, are some of the choice nuggets from um, uh, Attack of the Clones. I would put some of the Zam chase in there, but it is exhausting to listen to.
1: The Zam chase is just rubbish. It's not the Zam chase is probably possibly the least Williams sounding. The William, the least Williams-esque music in the entire right. pre trilogy. It's
0: irritating. Diddle-a, 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 diddle-a. Although it does have it's some just, of those
1: kodo drums that you like. It, I do love kodo drums, but yeah, no, it's just it, it feels unorchestrated. It, it's literally like he just stood up at the in front of the orchestra, told all of like the you know the strings and the brass and, to go home, and just like started waving his arms <laughs> frantically just to see what would happen.
0: I feel like he sent out his, uh, his apprentice, Shauncey, to, uh, to conduct them for this one. <laughs> like that, right there. That's Yoda's theme in the middle of the Zan chase! Yoda's nowhere to be seen! What the- Just because it's the parallel of empire doesn't mean you can use any random empire theme. Forgive my protestations, Mr. Williams. You are always going to be the best this just does not represent his best work for various reasons he was tired and busy writing too many scores at once so uh okay so this is the younglings and meeting with Fett. That's a great bit of music. I also like the um, bit when uh, Slave 1 is chasing Obi-Wan through the star field, where it's just cribbing on the asteroid field chase. It's still yeah. a great bit of music and sound design with the Ben Burt um, like pulling all the sound out for those charges.
1: Oh, those audio charges were brilliant. Braow. I remember the um, Rebel Strike, the third Rogue Leader game, and you could unlock Slave 1, and you could have those charges, mm-hmm. and just spamming that button, and just that sound effects was just superb.
0: Okay, so the next one is Across the Stars. This one's your choice, uh, and why would that be?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, so I chose... It's kind of similar to The Parade. It's obviously a different take on a very familiar theme. So while The Parade was obviously the upbeat major version of uh, the Emperor's theme, this is the romantic version of the Star Wars theme. Mm-hmm. The da 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 is da da
0: da da
1: da 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 it's not his greatest romantic theme. That, obviously, is either Princess Leia or Marion's theme. Or, indeed, Han Solo and the Princess.
0: Yeah, but, Han Solo and the Princess is the one. Dun, that is actually maybe my favourite Star Wars theme. It's It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, it's just, and, again, so perfectly but, used in, in so
1: many different ways. That, folks, is... Dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. Yeah, God, I
1: missed them that's great the um but this one so this one i have no nostalgic attachment to it but i just like i appreciate that it's clever that it takes the the main star wars film and turns it into a romantic version there's also kind of midway through this there's a very kind of um dramatic kind of tense moment where it becomes <laughs> quite <laughs> dark, <laughs> dark
0: ob- <laughs> <laughs> that bit yeah. yeah
1: it's like gathering it, for war gathering for war kind of foreshadows the um you know the the, the collapse of this relationship um but the way it emerged, it both the way that that tension tension just subtly comes in, but the way that it emerges and was just this high single string kind of playing the theme in an almost tragic way it's just it's such a beautiful piece. I actually kind of um <laughs> in my I write in my spare time, nowhere near as successfully as Alex does, but I was writing a fantasy trilogy, and um I used this piece for a my, my main character kind of escaping an oncoming army. And the idea in my head, kind of the, the, it was a montage of like cutting between, like a, you know, the dark tension bit was, you know, just this army just mm. mowing down everyone it finds and then just cutting to this single horse desperately trying to reach the end. It was just such a nice piece that
0: I couldn't not include it. James is very talented as a writer. I encourage him to write more, but he's too tentative. He, he's like, oh, I don't want to release it until I'm ready. And uh, that's, that's the way to not release a book. Well, more on that later. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So this is Across the Stars... Okay, so the next is another one of your choices. Like, if, if you hadn't chosen these two, we'd barely get a look-in on Attack of the Clones. <laughs> uh, it is Confrontation with Count Dooku and Finale. Now, this kind of... It's after the Confrontation with Count Dooku, isn't it? It's like when he flies yeah. back with his tail between his legs to uh, uh, Sidious.
1: Yeah, this is basically... This is him parasailing back to Coruscant. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, for me, this is it's the reveal of the Empire. It's it's that build up to the Imperial March, which mm. we hadn't heard since 1983 um, or 1997, if you could include the uh, special edition versions. And, True, you this know, was they, the first time they they launched back into it. Like you, it's hinted in Anakin's theme, and so brilliantly well. Mm. But to proper launch into it, and it was a real moment. As bad as this film is, and it is, you get to the end of this, and it's like uh, begun the Clone Wars has, and bang imperial march armies of stormtroopers the first shot of star destroyers and you're like yes now we are building up to the original trilogy it felt like it was going somewhere and then bursting into the across the stars again which was lovely it was just it was just a really good way to musically end this film mm. so I, I just i just didn't really kind of appreciate the the way that it all comes together
0: I feel like the clones needed to have their own theme that uh, sounded similar to the Empire theme and mutated into the Empire theme. It's like so Maybe not even here. Maybe somewhere in Revenge of the Sith. Just keep having yeah. the clone theme getting more and more severe until it eventually became... Because there's no theme for the clones.
1: That's true. If this musical moment hadn't happened, I like as dark as this sounds, I can't imagine many two people would be as fussed on Revenge of the Sith, but hearing that empire Mm. theme, hearing like, Oh, we are now building up to the empire. Like it really, it taps into that nostalgia for the original, the the original trilogy. And, yeah, just makes you want to find out what happens
0: next. Well, it remade that promise. The, the the first one was like, okay, so you didn't like that, but we promised we'll give you Vader. So you didn't like this, but we promise we'll give you Vader. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true, it's true. Okay, so uh, this is Confrontation with Count Dooku and Finale, and as with the... Uh, uh, parade theme, Augie's Great Municipal Band, which is its name on the uh, one-disc version of Phantom Menace. Uh, I'm cutting short the end so that we can have a big, rousing Star Wars credits finale at the end of this episode. Now we're on Revenge of the Sith, and this is where you'll find pieces of John Williams' music that don't actually sound like his usual way of doing things, and they're definitely, to me, the strongest pieces in the prequel trilogy. So we, got, we saved the best for last here. And your original choice was the battle a Coruscant. And I knew we were going to be doing the dual and droid battle from um, Phantom Menace. And there was a lot of similar sounding in this. And it's like, it kind of wears you down over six to nine minutes of just like spaceship yeah. battles. And I, a lot of people love the opening to Revenge of the Sith. I am just sat there watching a bunch of actors sat in like spaceship shaped chairs in front of green screens going, oh, no, there's things on the wing and you know tennis balls on a stick i have never engaged with the opening of revenge of the sith it's the first like third of the movie is getting palpatine off of this ship it goes on if i read the novelization recently it is a huge chunk of the book and nothing gets accomplished
1: i think for me i chose this track because it is i think we've cut it down to what the first two minutes two minutes yeah yeah two minutes it is literally the first two minutes I, I, was referring to when I, when I choose this, like, I'm, and I, wa- I actually watched the sequence on YouTube earlier today. And I'm, I know I, I agree. Like the, the long, long, young, long opening sequence and opening (laughs) battle is painful everyone is wooden everyone's on a green screen even the audio sounds like like the is in the audio quality of the dialogue doesn't sound like it wants to be there it all sounds
0: like on a sound stage Hayden Christensen going this is where the fun begins and it's like you said that two movies ago
1: yeah but for me it's it's still it's, it's right up until
0: people talk (laughs) um, that sounds, <laughs> it's the a good opening- aerial shot looking down on Koosan, especially it starts with those drums and nothing yeah. else, just boom, and boom, boom. E- effectively implying the guns of war.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, so the the opening two minutes, this the the aerial shot, it starts. You know, you've had your opening crawl, mm. it then fades to just black. And whereas you, vast majority of the episodes, you get like kind of a soft strings that are kind of setting tension yeah, for what's going to happen next. Creepy, yeah. Very much like kind of like we had with um, Federation Battleship earlier. Yeah. This one is strained to those drums. And like you say, the dr- drums of war, if I'm getting a little kind of um, uh, dramatic, like they are almost, it's almost a heartbeat. Like, yeah. I rem- again, this was a moment for me in the cinema. Like, I'd enjoyed Phantom Menace because I was 13. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. I'd kind of enjoyed Attack of the Clones because it was I'd only seen it the once, and the first time I watched it, it's like, okay, yep, this is better than Phantom Menace, or not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But then obviously over time, you're like, actually, that that was a bit rubbish. Coming into this, you like, right, it all comes down to this. I've invested in this over however many years the, the, the prequel trilogy was released over. This is the culmination. As far as we six knew, this was this culmin- yeah. This is the culmination of six films. Mm-hmm. We don't know if there's ever going to be a final another Star Wars film. We don't know if there's going to be another trilogy. This could be the final Star Wars film. So your heart is beating. Please let this be good. Please let this be good. And then, you know the heart's beating with that drum beat, and then it cracks into that martial version of the Force theme, and this spectacular, like, ongoing aerial shot in a space battle. And we hadn't had a good, big space battle um, in Phantom, because Phantom, it kept cutting away from the space battle, and there was too much Jake mm. Lloyd in it. There was no space battle in, um, well, there was no, no large-scale space battle in Attack yeah. of the Clones. There was a
0: personal uh, one with Jango Fett and uh, yeah. Obi-Wan, but that was just a chase. So to suddenly be thrown into this big,
1: huge space battle over the capital city, so many ships, so many explosions, Mm. such a great rendition of the Force theme, it's like, this is going to be great, and then they start talking. But before that, the music is brilliant.
0: I say just a chase. The asteroid chase in Empire Strikes Back is just a chase. But, uh, yeah, it just happens to be one of my absolute favourite sequences in all the uh, Star Wars films. So Yeah. 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 Uh, also, this starts very differently to the uh, Revenge of the Sith 1-disc edition, where it goes from the Star Wars theme to... And it just, like, sort of pulls you through, whereas this sort of almost launches in with... Which again is the false theme, yeah. Sort of pulling it into this heroic Jedi on the edge thing. Um, that was another reason to specifically find this version because, yeah, on the soundtrack you only
1: get because that fanfare, that, <laughs> that is from when um, the clones arrive on uh, Utapau, I oh, believe. Oh, right. start, yeah, that's from. So when the dun, clones arrive at the
0: and
1: they they. Absolutely, that's when that fanfare is. Oh I think, yeah. And after that fanfare, when it's done, I think you're then into the Battle Over Coruscant. Mm. But it just, it, much like kind of meeting with Fett, why they you know, they kind of crammed that into the uh, the start of the one disc uh, Clone soundtrack. It always rankled me that like I, it's such a jarring transition when you listen to that track because you go from the softness of the end of the the main theme mm. into this very gaudy kind of fanfare. It just didn't have that tension of these drums.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. So we'll uh, cut to the tension of the drums. This is the opening couple of minutes of The Battle Over Coruscant.
1: it's up to this point it's like yeah this was just yeah. a great opening
0: it's not a very heroic opening though it does like like I say it does feel like the Empire and their nefarious schemes all just sort of falling into yeah. place and like the idea of here's the Jedi to save the day there's, is kind of now over there's a desperation to both the Force theme and the ongoing beat of that drum
1: mm. and the the brass in the background like there's a there's a this is our last fucking shot kind yeah. of sense to it
0: yeah Okay, so the next one, this is one that I feel like John Williams sat down in front of Howard Shaw's Lord of the Rings and watched it and listened to all of the elven female choral sections that were very different throughout the series. You had some mournful ones, some hopeful ones, some foreboding ones. And he was like, I'm going to do that too. And this is Padme's Ruminations, and it's so much more powerful than any of the dialogue in the film. In fact, yes. I only managed to, to re-edit one part of the original trilogy effectively, and it was basically just take out all the words and just intersect this Padme um, crying with Anakin seeing Padme dying and just, like, like, tying all of this together and just going, this thing is going to happen and there is nothing you can do to stop it. And just to strengthen Anakin's resolve towards I must prevent this and if there was more material that i could work over and less dialogue uh then i might have been able to do something i think the, the way i figured it out in the end was just to have the whole thing narrated by obi-wan kenobi and ba- barely anyone speaks in the uh, and just like have it like filled with john williams music but yeah this is a it's a sad desperate piece of uh, uh music just as this is the sound of us uh, uh, the republic dying it's a strangled gasp
1: it worked as well. With the the direction was suddenly very different, mm. distant, uh, so different. There was a lot of like kind of distant shots of the city, the the weird kind of sunset lighting that they'd used, yeah. which previously like you'd only ever seen Coruscant either full blown sunshine or full blown nighttime.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and this weird surreal sunset, like and then the you know close up some But it was it's one of the few
0: good scenes of the trilogy. Of the trilogy. So mm-hmm. yeah. Again, don't let them speak, and it's much better. (laughs) But specifically because they really, like, one or two of them are really good actors and can work when they don't have to say this stuff. you can hear just faintly the. you can i have never noticed that yep
1: that's glorious that's brilliant
0: okay very short piece but uh immensely powerful the next piece is similarly powerful i mean we've got a load stacked up right here the great jedi purge this is another one of mine um i don't know whether you were just like i'm going to steer clear of revenge of the sith and just let you pick all the good ones (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I kind
1: of, I kind of had a suspicion that you might pick this one, so I was trying, yeah. to, uh, trying to go other, uh, um, for other ones. Also, this one for me, kind of, I love this this piece and the way it's used in the movie and the sequence it's used over. I think for me, there are a few of the video games that reuse this piece, just kind of just slap it in over a tragic moment. It's kind of it, it kind of. Uh, diminishes the piece for me yeah. it's kind of like as much as I think of the original so as much as I hear this and I think of how it is in the film and the actual great Jedi purge like equally I hear it and I think of the opening I think it's the opening of like Force Away, uh, Force Force unleashed. unleashed yep yeah, and it's like, where it yep. just didn't quite work as well it's like right you're just trying to use this for the sake of using it and that always kind of taints the
0: piece for me mm. which is a shame because that actually had a really good score that, mo- uh, that game I did yeah, which was yeah, nothing to do with John Williams. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, this is the great Jedi Purge where all the Jedi have been maneuvered into place. They had to be clones. It had to be a clone army. They had to have no ill intent beforehand, and the Jedi couldn't sense it, and then they just wander out in front and get shot in the back, every single one, to a man, a woman, an alien, a Gleep Glop. None of them knew it was going to happen. And it is an effective piece of filmmaking, especially since like when yoda reacts at the end and is absolutely distraught that gets to you even if he does look weird throughout the rest of the trilogy
1: i always you see yoda's reaction and i always hear alec guinness's um it was as if a thousand voices, voices suddenly out of and terror and was suddenly, and was suddenly silenced, silenced.
0: Yeah, we get the uh, mechanics of it okay yeah. so uh, this is the great jedi purge This next bit is a section from the otherwise extremely bombastic, overly melodramatic Anakin's Dark Deeds, where he's killing Jedi and children and the remaining Trade Federation leaders. It's the bit after that, when he's standing on Mustafar crying. And the piece is called I'm So Sorry. It's like, we've really turned a corner here. I can't come back from this. Yeah. Once again, it feels like this is a piece that transcends George's writing transcends what we're hearing and even what we're seeing, and gets to the heart of what's really going on, which is a deeply regrettable violent destruction. The death of the soul in exchange for power. So next up, we've got Anakin versus Obi-Wan. And again, this is much like um, the duel and the droid battle and uh, the the big battle over Coruscant section. This is a lot. Much like the duel and the droid battle at the end of uh, Phantom Menace and all of these threads coming together, this is another prime example of John Williams being able to maintain multiple climactic clashes.
1: I find the movie version far more emotive, far more... Exciting than the concert version. So, Battle of the Heroes you know, is is kind of the, the equivalent of Jewel of the Fates. It's just kind of the concert suite of right. This will be my theme that I use for this battle. Mm. But it's so much faster, so much more intense in the actual um, orchestration used in the film. The actual lightsaber fight. It later kind of because the fight goes on forever. Mm-hmm. It later becomes the concert version. Yeah. But the opening, like couple of minutes, two or three minutes, it's just there's a a proper uh there's a pumping to the the, the brass behind that <laughs> constantly kind of gets you gets you kind of pulse racing it's like this is a really fast battle that combined with the superb choreography and, and athleticism of um you mcgregor and, and hayden christensen the one thing i will say for hayden christensen is he can swing a lightsaber quite you know as fast as you mcgregor that is the only good redeeming quality he had um <laughs> But like it was, it's just such a superb um, rendition of, of the theme. It was so much more dramatic than Battle of the Heroes. Battle of the Heroes is almost quite plodding and kind of overly dramatic, almost melodramatic. Whereas the the Anakin versus Obi Wan towards the start of this track is just much better. It Also in the film, it kind of cuts between, as you say, it cuts between Anakin versus Obi Wan and Yoda versus the Empire, yeah. uh, Emperor, and that obviously comes straight back to the the empire theme the imperial march and specifically he's tapping into almost copy pasting from the clash of lightsabers
0: yeah with that kind there. of
1: with that kind of whistling almost whistling kind of violin yeah.
0: the, oh, whops, i can't do that because i'm not a violin but, yeah. it's that kind of spiraling that sound that suggests you're up very very high and again it's kind of it's tapping
1: into like the nostalgia for the original trilogy while still presenting something new. Um, it's just it's just superb. It's it's perhaps one of my favourite po- tracks of the entire trilogy. It's also got great use of the force theme as well, like the I think it's I think it's when they they kind of they both do the force push at the same time and actually you've just got two blokes kind of waving their hands in front of each other but <laughs> the, the way that the choral version of the force theme implies such power mm-hmm. to what they're trying to accomplish it's just it's superb.
0: immolation scene. It's a very uh, short bit of music, but it's after Anakin has fallen down. He has been dismembered by Obi Wan, and it was that. It's the you were the chosen one. You were supposed to uh, bring balance to the Force and alleviate and darkness. And it's it's you, McGregor, at his best for the trilogy. And frankly, it's Hayden Christensen at his best. He's just this screaming ball of rage and regret, and he doesn't have to do anything other than scream. I hate you in a really ugly, pathetic fashion. And um, if you read the original script, I uh, I read the original um, novelization. Obi Wan says you were the cho- you know I, you were my brother, Anakin, and I loved you. And then Anakin screams, "I hate you!" Afterwards, in the edit, I'm assuming they found that it was way more powerful for Anakin to scream, "I hate you," and for Obi Wan to say, "I loved you" afterwards. Yeah, it's a it's it's a genuinely good bit of cinema, and it just more like this throughout would have made it a completely different series I Know There's Good In Him is yet another one of my picks, because most of them seem to come at the the end here. Uh, This is the same basic tune as the death of Qui-Gon. Sorry, the funeral of Qui-Gon. That... At the end of episode one, when they uh, burn his body, surrendering it to the Force. And there's so much you can read into that, that Anakin will burn forever. And that this is the inevitable thing that was going to happen because of the death of Qui-Gon because he was not there to guide Anakin because Qui-Gon represented a facet of the Jedi that was less afraid to embrace a more of a gray neutrality uh, or at least a you know, we can work outside the code of the Jedi and and, and things will still be good. And we, like, we can defy them without going full-on Nazi. We can just get stuff done and, you know, just kind of bend things. And the absence, like the prequels are about the absence of Qui-Gon and how Obi-Wan never quite matched up to that because he's too indebted to the Jedi code. And so there is a twinning of the... Death of Qui Gon and the fall of Anakin and the, and the him being put into this armor and it's it's got that harp music again that that sort of that that there's almost a sweetness to it and a sad sad sense of this 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 broken rotten thing is somehow not only going to be kept alive but, but given this new terrible life and there's a lot going on in this scene. And I think a, a, a lot of people like that when as the helmet is slowly lowered over the head and you get that mechanical hum just a, in the background just before the breath starts, there's that trepidation. And you realize you've been waiting for this the whole way through the prequel trilogy and now it's over, which is you know, never not going to be a crushing disappointment, especially since it then is immediately followed by, oh, no. But that doesn't stop this piece of music being fantastic.
1: No, I agree. And it, it, even watching this back, like the, the direction of this scene and the and building up to that first breath, that still works. That's still effective. It's just a shame, like you say, they just undermined it almost immediately. <laughs>
0: It's also because um, Funeral for a Jedi at the uh, In Phantom Menace is, was, you know, a thing that shouldn't have happened. This is the funeral for all of the Jedi. This is the death of what's come before. This <clears throat> is the burning it away with fire and the lament. And Padme also gets buried at this point. Just everything about the prequels that we loved is being, you know, if we, if we did love them as kids, was, is being put into the ground. And the only thing left on the ashes is Vader. Okay, so do you want to take us out with this, like, why you specifically picked uh, the uh, New Hope and all of this stuff at the uh, end credits? I do. Um,
1: Let's not lie. I think we've been honest throughout the beginning. The prequel trilogy was hard um, and is even harder on subsequent viewings. But I can't I still can't help but feel it goes out on a high with this piece. Mm-hmm. It sets up the new hope. I, I find it almost impossible to watch episode three without immediately wanting to watch episode four. Regardless of how badly the, the pieces were put in place, they are now in place. You have Leia in on Alderaan, so we have a brief flourish of um, the Princess Leia theme, which we hadn't heard since 1983. Mm-hmm. You then move to Tan- uh, Tatooine. Oh, whoa, whoa.
0: Hold on. Uh, I don't even really think that they played much of uh, the Leia theme in Return of the Jedi at all. I think the last time it was used was Empire.
1: I think you're right, yeah, because it kind of almost got replaced or morphed into the the Han Solo and the Princess Mm -hmm. theme.
0: But, yeah, it was only been played quietly because it was, yeah, it was the na-na-na-na-na at that point. So, yeah, Yeah. it it mostly got its lease of life in the original Star Wars.
1: Yeah, so you hadn't heard it in in its full strength since um, 1977. Yeah. Um, Then there's the echo back to 1977 of the binary sunset as it finishes and then... The credits, and the credits, obviously, as they do, they go through all the different themes that are in the, the films, the Battle of the Heroes and stuff we like that. We have
0: cut Battle of the Heroes out
1: for we you, We've cut Battle of the Heroes. We've done that bit. What I loved, I think, is an absolutely superb choice, and we kind of hinted at this much, much earlier, is the use of the medal ceremony. It brings back the medal ceremony from the end of the first Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that is the right or the perfect music to end a star Wars film on because as much as it's only the end of the first film, the first film when it first came out, there was no telling whether or not there would be a sequel or a trilogy or a prequel trilogy or an entire bloody franchise. It was just this one standalone film. And that was the music that took you out saying, Hey, you've had a great time (laughs) and (laughs) credits. They put it in this. We have. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, they put it in this and it really kind of, takes you back to how it felt watching. He's seriously tapping into the nostalgia here. He's tapping into the nostalgia for New Hope and, by extension, the original trilogy. And the way that the medal ceremony is played during these credits, it's much more dramatic. There's a much, there's much slower build-up and a slower pace. There's um, a brief kind of part. I don't know what it's played I think it's a clarinet, maybe, or some sort of woodwind. There's a brief part where it plays... Um, the force theme on just a single instrument and then builds up to that dun, 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 which i think is the music when the escape pod from the uh the tantive four jettisons down towards tatooine it's just kind of foreshadowing like yeah that original trilogy that you loved and that you know loved that's all coming that's all still to come hmm. and i i don't know i just i listen to this piece and i feel like uh, yes you, that love for star wars is still it still swells in with you in in me with the swelling of this this metal summary theme and the way that it's played here and I just think it's it's the perfect way to end. I really, really hope he ends episode nine. With at least a at least a section of the metal ceremony, and kind of brings us back to you know, reminding us why we love Star Wars, why these stories and these films are so satisfying, why we're why we're so invested in them, and as a big part of that is this music.
0: Well, you folks will know uh, having listened to it uh, and sat through to the end of the credits, just out of respect for everyone involved in Episode Nine, whether it closes on the da 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 I agree. I would also like this to be the uh, the way we finally end. And for John to take his bow with this.
1: And that's the thing. This this feels like an ending. Like when, when we watched this in 2005, as far as we knew, this would be, or as far as I knew, this was the last Star Wars film. This was the last Star Wars music you would hear. This is the end of this franchise. And that made it, and this was the perfect way to go out.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we go, uh, would you like to pitch one or many of your productions and podcasts and things?
1: <laughs> I would. Um, we, I have a very irregular James Bond podcast called Bond and Beyond. You can find us uh, at bondbeyondpod.tumblr.com. We, unsurprisingly, talk about Bond films. Although we have now moved into the Beyond section, for so we have we've just um, at the time of recording, we've just uh, reviewed the 1967 Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. which is perhaps the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> it is um, all over the place, isn't it? It is unforgivably batshit crazy. Yeah. I also run, a just as a regular... Actually, no, this is a bit more regular. I run a Nonviolent Game of the Day. This is a uh, blog where I just right a short paragraph and a, a brief explanation of a non-violent video game a game that doesn't in basically boil down to kill all of the things and yeah. um, it's just there to kind of prove that video games have uh just a lot more variety than than some tabloids and some older generations would have you believe i kind of use it to kind of spotlight the very very different ways that people are using interactivity and and just the very nature of video games so uh yeah please give that a look
0: just time to thank our $15 patrons who get sponsor credit every episode. Thank you to Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vahey, Daniel Salguero, Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gusega, Greg Downing, Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolfe, Kat Essman. Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Lux, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron LaTluso, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisham. And next week for New Year's, The Rise of Skywalker followed by the first of our Steven Spielberg series of 2020, a film we are incredibly excited to talk about with Chris Chipman, Jaws. And what remains is for us to see Episode 9, by which point when this goes out we will have seen it, Uh, but at that point James and I will reconvene for a third episode star wars sound of gonzo show covering the music of the force awakens the last jedi and rise of skywalker and maybe a bit of solo and maybe a bit of solo and maybe a smidgen of rogue one (laughs) we also have a dedicated show on john williams non-star wars music cooking up And frankly, looking at our original trilogy show from 2013, I reckon we could get one more episode just out of our favourite tracks from those of those three films that didn't make the cut back then. But we'll see. That'll be a, you know, when we're getting hungry for more Star Wars type thing. Until then, let us close out with the last few minutes of Revenge of the Sith, where Baby Leia and Baby Luke are situated on their new homes of Alderaan and Tatooine. The literal new hopes.